What's up, everybody? Glad to be here. This is the best thing I've done all week. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. Are you ready for the best podcast ever? After four years of investment and many days of begging, here I am on the podcast. Big fan. All right, we're here with Cedarville President Dr. White. Big hustle. That's what the infield singles are about. Hey, I like it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back to episode 23 of the infield singles. Last week we had our Taylor Swift episode. This week we have our Jordan episode. Um, and speaking of Jordan, we're going to have uh, Cedarville golfer Carter Ames back on the show this week. Uh, you may remember him as uh, Carter Stones Ames. He passed a few kidney stones the last time we had him on. So we'll give you an update on that situation. We'll talk some some golf talk. Uh, we'll put Carter through a speed round since I don't think we speed rounded Carter last time. Uh, so all good things coming up later on this episode. Um, but first off, I'm joined tonight in the, the beautiful Brock Threeback studio with Michael Connor and Chase Gruitt. Fellas. Howdy. Hello. Uh, Chase has his own mic tonight, um, so we'll see if we get more than two words out of him. Nothing yet. Um, Josh is out for the evening, and I believe Spencer is on his way, so we'll, we'll hear from some more of the fellas later. Uh, we've got a little bit of fan mail coming up. Um, first things first, uh, two, two of the infield singles members just capped off their like third or fourth intramural basketball championship. Chase is holding up a three because he doesn't words, talk. Chase, you got a mic now. Use your words, Chase. Still no words. Um, how, how does it feel, Michael? How does this one compare to recent, recent ones uh, and just overall general feelings on the season? Um, well, thank you for that little shout out. Uh, it feels good. It's a nice way to cap off senior year. Um, we weren't expecting it because we started 0-2 and, and things weren't looking too good, especially after Hayden James famously declared on the Infield Singles podcast that this was our revenge tour, but it was nice. We avenged two of our losses in the playoffs and were able to bring it home for the folks at home, so ready to take this momentum into adult rec leagues post-graduation and see what we can come up with there. Yeah, you guys will get plenty of Hayden talk and plenty of basketball talk later when Carter comes on, so we'll we'll save that for, for later on. Um, next week is spring break. Uh, Chase, what are you doing for spring break? I'm going to Texas for an aero design competition. That sounds exciting. Are you excited, Chase? No. I'm sure you are deep down, though, right? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited for the competition. The fact that I lose my last spring break, not very happy about that. And a uh, 16-hour car ride. Okay. So you're going to be driving down there? Yeah. Are you yourself? Yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be taking a shift. <laughs> Speaking of taking a shift, that seems like you know a long car ride. The stops might be few and far in between. How do you plan on combating like a potential bathroom emergency if you're on the road? Uh, I don't usually drink like any liquids while I'm on the road, so I don't have to pee. But if I have to use a toilet, it's pretty much yeah. We're pulling over now. So <sighs> you would pull over like you if you had to pee real bad and you're in a car ride. You would pull over. No, not peeing, but... Oh, oh, okay. Well, if you had to pee, what would be your go-to move? 
Uh, you hold it or uh, depends. We have three girls, and if they are not in the car, I might go with the old uh, McDonald's. Depends, as cup. in the adult diapers. Do you use adult diapers? No, no. You, you said I don't either. You said you can either stop or, and then you said you either you stop or it depends. Never mind. Yeah. All right, Chase. So the folks at home are going to get to see behind the curtain a little bit here. I'm trying to get at a little story that's taken place the past few days in this hall that involves story. you. you Why we had what? That involves you peeing in a bottle, which is something you also have been known to do on car rides. So, yes. Chase, how else do you handle having to go to the bathroom on long car rides? You pee in a bottle or a McDonald's cup. Have you ever peed in a bottle? That sounds pretty nuts. Have you ever actually done that? Have you ever been on a road trip? Oh my gosh. <laughs> when was the last time you peed in a bottle, Chase? Was that two days ago? <laughs> I don't know. You know. Oh, you know what? It was. Why don't you fill the folks at home in on what happened? So I had this uh, two liter of Sprite bottle, and Tad had this nifty idea. Hey, you should uh, you should pee in that, and uh, do something with it. I'm like, oh, okay, I will. So I spent a day and a half filling that puppy up, and then I hid it in Tad's bed, and then Tad found it, and he wasn't too happy about it. Then he hid it in his dresser. Or his wardrobe. That's what it's called. <laughs> Alright, speaking of the mic a little bit. Uh, and then Yeah, then I stole it back and uh now it's in a safe place that Tad does not know about or need to know about. Yeah, so <laughs> let's see. Last night we were we were all in the hall, right? And I went into our boy Stinky's room. Stinky, Chance, Roop, you know, whatever you want to call him. And I come back in and everybody scurries out of my room and they're like, oh, no, 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 Tad's back, Tad's back. And so I, I come in. I was like, what's going on? I tried to I tried to corner Steve-O because steve is a pretty pretty reasonable truth teller. Uh, but he wouldn't say what was going on. He, he All he said was, I wouldn't believe him if I, he told me what happened. <laughs> so I come back in the room. I lock my door so nobody can see me looking around my room. And I go over to my bed and there's just a two liter full of foaming liquid inside. Kind of warm. And so I'm like, all right, this is this is nuts. This was my idea, and then he did it to me. So I, I hide it in my in my closet, and I go out, and Chase just scurried like a little girl and went into someone's room. And so I went uh, Bryce Hubler on him and just sat there outside the door with my foot on the door, just knocking the door in between the whatever to make the noise, you know. And he comes out, and for like – the, the rest of the night, they he and Michael had their door locked, and they were hanging out in Spencer's room. And I, was, I wasn't going to do it last night, but I just thought it was funny that they were scared to go in their room. And then I was later told that they spent the whole night with their door locked. That way I couldn't come in. Yep. Um, but I, I had like three solid plans on how I could get back at him because it totally backfired. He gave me a full bottle of, of urine, and uh, like I basically had a full bottle of ammunition to use against him. But then he came in and snooped through my personal belongings, which I'm pretty sure is like against the law, but we'll let it slide this time. I'm not a cop. So I think I can do that. Wait. So you're saying that if you're a cop, you're allowed to snoop through people's no cops aren't allowed to legally, but I'm pretty sure I can. As long oh, as so, I, I don't so get caught. If people, I don't get caught in the act, other people can go through people's belongings, but if you're a cop, you can't go through it. You can, so you can steal you, if you're not a cop, but if you're a cop, you can't oh, steal. I'm, People cannot see you doing air quotes, Chase. This is radio. Steal, per se. I don't know if that was ever technically yours. Well, you gave it to me and ran away, so I think it technically was mine. 
whether or not I wanted it to, which after the first like five minutes, I did want it to. But anyway, so that bottle, uh, there was about to be a war that was going to be waged for the rest of the semester. But since Chase is a little rat and stole it, um, he's a rat. He might have, uh, he might have gotten out of that one, but that remains to be seen. So as promised, we're going to dive into our fan mail bag right now. Um, we actually had several uh, fan submissions uh, through our email, which is infieldsingles at gmail.com. Um, so, Michael, do you want to start us off with some fan mail questions? I'd love to. So, like Tad said, a great influx of questions this week. Um, first one comes from uh, a resident of this hall. He goes by the nickname Dong. So Dong, age 22, of Virginia, asked Chase, or 21, whatever, of Virginia, asked Chase, Chase, I noticed you weren't in the interview last week. Why not? Um, as I said before, I have aero design, and uh, my prof that is in charge of aero design is basically like, if you're not sleeping or eating, you should be doing aero design. Well, then how did you get out of it for tonight? I have to study, so I told them I was, uh, well, yeah, I just have to study. So, like, we're allowed to study for our other finals, but, like, basically no goofing off type dealio. And he probably, you can ask, he's your prof, too, you ask him, is uh, is a Hall podcast uh, worth uh, skipping arrow design? You can ask him that. Well, if I did, then he would know you're skipping your hall your arrow design for a hall podcast right now you wouldn't have to tell him that you could just say hypothetically because we do this podcast but chase hasn't been well there. sure but why would i be dishonest with the professor okay then don't ask him <laughs> all right great question don keep <laughs> it coming uh question comes from uh the Strohmeister, age unknown location unknown uh Strohmeister is a guy in our hall he's an animal uh yes so there's rumors going around campus that there's a new version of Tad floating around. What's that all about? Uh, first off, I can neither confirm nor deny any new versions of Tad. Oh, 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 new version of Tad. Okay. <laughs> okay, I thought there was just some some Yahoo out there that looks like me. No, yeah. Um, so I was recently watching, uh, well, I was recently enlightened um, upon watching Seinfeld. Uh, there's an episode where George, you know, George is kind of like this bad luck character. Well, not necessarily, but a lot of a lot of times George just gets himself into these ridiculous situations and then they never work out or whatever. So old Ted. So and then there's this. Sorry. Good grief. I lost my train of thought. George, uh, bad luck all the time, whatever. He never nothing ever works out well for him. But then he decides to do everything the opposite of what George would do. And then. um <laughs> Everything starts working out well, you know? And so anytime he decides – like he gets a job for – I think it's the Yankees at that point. He works for the Yankees and the Mets, but I think this was the Yankees. He gets a job for the Yankees while he's doing the exact opposite of what he should be doing. And so everything – like any impulse he has, he just does the exact opposite. So I figure, you know, old Tad should turn into new Tad, and new Tad should do the exact opposite of everything old Tad has done. So far, nothing different has happened, but uh, it will. Old Tad could answer fan mail questions. Yeah, New holy Tad smokes. Can't. My apologies. <laughs> well, also, uh, when uh, Tad was telling me about this, like, okay, I'll start uh, New Chase. New Chase decided to be 5% less lazy, and so far has not been going too well. Yeah, so I, far, I, Chase has not gone to econ in a week. Yeah. Chase was going to go to breakfast before class. He has not gone to class, let alone breakfast. Yeah, so this morning, I, I slept through my morning class. I slept through chapel. 
and then I woke up when my RD knocked on our door for room checks. And got which, five. Which I did not clean up my little corner of the room, so I got a $5 fine. Little corner meaning the entire room? No, it was a little corner. A little corner formerly known as the pee corner. <laughs> that is where I filled up the Sprite bottle, so it was the pee corner. All right, great question, Showmeister. Keep them coming. Um, so Josh isn't here, but we received a question from Anonymous, age 22, of Cedarville, Ohio. And uh, it asks, uh, Josh, what's your definition of downhill? And for the folks at home that don't remember, Josh um, accidentally, uh, unaccidentally uh, mentioned that he, him and Ellie met on Trivia Crack or whatever, which was a lie, and that it was all downhill from there. So then he corrected himself and said it was an uphill battle. That's right, which is so much better. I uh, welcome to the spin zone. I will spin this in a good way for Josh since he is not here and he is my good pal. So I will spin this correctly for him. When Josh said that it was downhill from here, he meant that it was like a snowball rolling down the hill, just picking up blessings and good things and just all kinds of good stuff that's coming his way. And so it is a down. It is all downhill from here, meaning the more downhill it goes, the faster and greater force and just the bigger that this snowball gets. That's what it means by going downhill from here. That's right. And to uh, add to this spin zone, it's like a lie. And when you let a lie kind of snowball and they just keep building up and building up until it's just one great big mess. So, yeah, all, all met in good fun. Anonymous, age 22. Then he has to try and push that snowball up the hill. So, <laughs> And that is the battle. <laughs> a great question, age 22, Anonymous of Cedarville, Ohio. Keep them coming. We also had a question from Missy, age 32. Hello, Missy. Uh, as promised, we are answering your question here. She says, I love listening to your podcast. You guys seem like a great bunch of guys. We are. Which makes me think you come from great parents. What do you love most about your parents? And when is the last time you changed your sheets? Great questions, Missy. Chase, answer the first one. Chase, what are your answers to these questions? So we'll go around and answer the first one. Well, my parents are always uh, pretty much there for me to encourage me and... Uh, just sent me down the path for success, and I really appreciate them for that. Translation, uh, Chase's parents are close by. They always get groceries, and Chase gets lots of free food. Not wrong. Um, what do I love most about my parents? That's a tough question because I love everything about my parents. Uh, my parents are always there for me. They really encourage me, push me down the right road. Um, yeah, but in all <laughs> – downhill. Uh, no, nah, but in all seriousness, um, I don't know, my parents – I feel like I got a very good godly set of parents. They pushed me to, I don't know, I have a good, I think I have a good moral base from my parents and I had a very good upbringing. Uh, I, I think they did a, a pretty good job. All right. Uh, I'll say about my parents, um, kind of same things that you two have said, but uh, I like that my parents support me. In all the stupid stuff I do, including stuff like the stupid stuff that this podcast can get into sometimes. And, uh, you know, they say you can't choose your parents, but I like to think that if I could and had them as an option, I'd still pick them. So there's that. All right. And uh, for the second question, I actually laughed when this question came in because I changed my sheets the day before I got this question. So uh, let's see. When did I last change my sheets? It was a few days ago. Chase? 
I'm sure my mother is glad to hear that because that gets brought up sometimes when I talk to my parents. Uh, I usually do mine every four weeks, so that would be almost four weeks ago. Did you do it four weeks ago? Yes, I did. Sweet. Cool. So I guess I am tonight's big loser because the last time I changed them was the beginning of the semester. So I guess that's two months ago. Uh, Spencer, when was the last time you changed your sheets? Oh, it's speak of the devil. Here he is. Spencer, when was the last time you changed your sheets? The last time I changed my sheets was... Repeat that. The last time I changed my sheets was right after Christmas break. There we go. And, and while, while, while we have you here, what's your favorite thing about your parents? Uh, my favorite thing, my favorite thing about my parents... Um, it's just that they take time out of their schedule to like spend time with us, like when we, especially when we were growing up. So, good, good answers, Josh. When was the last time you changed your sheets? Well, it's hard, <laughs> but uh, this is Michael again, and we we smacked Josh's bed the other time, or Sean smacked his bed the other time, and a, a cloud of dust flew up. So it's, <laughs> we might be a little past due, but he's not here, so we won't say for sure because we don't know for sure. It looks like it's been longer than August, since August, but we know he's only been here that long. <laughs> that was actually kind of funny, Chase. You should talk more often on this thing. No, but great questions, Missy. Uh, keep them coming. Uh, yeah, Spencer. Oh, boy. Uh, Pablo, age 32, from Michigan. Pablo needs to chill. <laughs> uh, Pablo asks, random questions for Spencer. What's the most you've ever paid for a suit? It currently, certainly can't be as high as $300. It certainly it? wasn't $300. Oddly specific question. That is oddly specific, well, Pablo. Well, what is the most you've ever paid for a suit? Uh, well, I mean, it was like 250 with tax. So, I mean, whatever that comes out to. Not 300 Not No, it was not 300, it was and he, 300. He has another question. Uh, what are the odds that Rachel drives to Gettysburg and waits for you? I don't know. I haven't heard from Rachel lately, so. Oh, all right. Well. Good question, Pablo. Keep them coming. Next question comes in from Rachel oh. from Miami. Hey, says, hey, Spencer, hey, I hear Rachel. you're going to uh, Gettysburg in D.C. next week. I'm wondering if uh, we can meet up in Gettysburg. I hear <laughs> you have a lot of stuff playing there, and I'd love to be a part of it somehow. Yo, let's meet up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Come to the Dong's house. That is a Sean Carlson's house. Yeah, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great question, Rachel. It looks like uh, all the fans at home who have been cheering for this moment for a long time are finally going to get their finally wish happening. coming this weekend. Spencer will finally find love finally. At, in Gettysburg. <laughs> yeah, in Gettysburg. Where does Rachel live? Miami. Ooh, maybe she could meet up with my family. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that's all the questions that we received for this week. So great questions, all you folks at home. Keep them coming. Remember, you can submit questions to us via Twitter at infield singles or through email at infield singles at gmail.com yeah the jonas brothers are getting back oh they're back how what makes you say that well they uh they posted that they're gonna um release a song at midnight tonight oh big news yeah and they're on uh what's his name the british guys talk show uh they're in the carpool karaoke yeah yeah that's exciting news all right. Well, you heard it here first Get on excited. the Infield Singles podcast. So tonight, while we're all studying for our lit exam tomorrow, we can listen to some Jonas Brothers. That's right. 
Oh boy, tonight just got a whole lot more fun. And on that fun note, we will send it over to Carter Stone's Ames after a brief word from our sponsor. Four. Straight down the middle. It went straight down the middle. Then it started to hook just a wee, wee bit. That's when McCaddy lost sight of it. That little white pellet has never been found to this day. But it went straight down the middle, like they say. Welcome back to the Infield Singles Podcast. We're now joined by uh, a fan favorite, Carter Stone's Ames. Um, you may remember Carter as the golfer who was in the process of passing a kidney stone or almost pass a kidney stone, but uh, that was one of our first episodes, but now he's joining us again to joining us again to just kind of talk about the past semester, I guess, talk about what's been going on lately and how his life has been changed for the better since being on the show. So, Carter, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Michael. Thank you for having me on. It's our pleasure. Uh, so this is the uh, episode right before spring break. So you, you want to fill the folks in at home? You have any big spring break plans? Yeah. So well, actually, I'm gonna digress to give the audience an update on the the kidney stone situation. I did. I captured the kidney stone, and we are sending it into a kidney stone a stone doctor person. And they're going to dissect it and figure out what's wrong. And we're getting the results back pretty soon. So, kidney stone, I'm about to conquer that fear. But getting into spring break, yeah, I'm on the golf team. And every year we take a golf team trip. And these trips pretty much consist of getting to the course at about 8 a.m. And leaving the course at about 7 p.m. And all we do is practice and hit golf balls. But we've gone to some pretty cool places. Uh, most notably, my sophomore year, we went to Arizona, which was a lot of fun. But this year, we're going to Lakeland, Florida. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a blast. Um, we're flying down. And, um, yeah, I'm hoping to spend some quality time with the guys. My senior year, so it's my last spring break. And uh, hopefully it'll be a fun time. Uh, are you playing any notable courses? Or has that kind of been figured out yet? Uh to be quite honest, I have no idea where we're playing. Uh, apparently, there's there some pretty nice courses, but uh, honestly, down in Florida, they're all generally pretty nice anyways. Uh, I'm just looking forward to practicing, hitting some balls outside, and getting to play in some warm weather. Uh, how far away is Lakeland, Florida from Jupiter? Um, not sure, but... Hmm. Well, you should probably stay away from the mall. I hear there's some police work going on there. I don't want you guys to get caught up in the wrong massage parlor you know exactly yeah if we definitely if we get sore we're gonna we're gonna double check um where we go out um to to recoup and recover definitely gonna stay away from uh the spas that that the billionaires go to sure so. yeah because i could see i could see uh our guy hj you know needing a needing a massage going to the parlor and then all of a sudden, the cops are there. But but speaking of HJ, he's a pretty swaggy guy. Uh, the folks at home may or may not have have seen his little little promo video he made for himself on Twitter. Um, are should we be expecting a similar one for you, or is that just a Hayden thing? No, yeah, that's that's definitely just a Hayden only thing. Um, 
You don't have a, a Lenny Kravitz outfit that you pull out for like your walk up to the first tee or anything? No, 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 no. See, it's even if I would, and even if I would have an outfit of the sort, um, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work with guys that, that aren't at the same coolness level um, as HJ. And uh, it would just, you know, quite frankly, look look dumb if I did that. But we're gonna we're gonna leave that to him. That's his stage. Well, some may argue that HJ looked dumb himself, <laughs> so I don't think you'd have to worry about looking too dumb. No, no. See, I I actually thought he looked he looked extremely classy. Um, <laughs> it definitely got him in the right mindset um, before the game. Why don't you paint a picture for the folks of folks at home of what that classy look entailed? Exactly, yeah, so I'll start with the whole story. Um, Hayden lives in our townhouse along with uh, Marshall Hood, the big guy on our team. And uh, a lot of times Hayden will just, he'll just lay in his bed back at the house all the time. If he's not in class, he's just laying in bed. And uh, he likes to laugh to himself. So we were just all sitting in there a couple hours before the game. We were all in a different room. Hayden was just in his room on the bed. And we heard... The classic Hayden laugh sounds a lot like this. <laughs> and it was pretty loud. And then he, we heard some pitter-pattering. And he, he came into the room that we were at and said, you know, hey, check out this video on Twitter of this uh, parody. So we, we copied the video from, from an online source. And um, it was a parody of, of an NBA player walking into a stadium wearing a crazy outfit. And um, Hayden, that's all the inspiration he needed. He's a pretty creative guy, pretty creative mind, and you know he just he just jumped on that opportunity. And so the outfit consisted of Michael Jordan skin tight sweatpants, um, also a Mexican scarf that we got from the senior 100 days party, and um, his trademark white Nike headband. A uh, his new diamond cross earring, and um, I think he's wearing a white shirt, and then just regular shoes. So yeah, and then he also had his Gus Macker basketball bag, and his sunglasses. I'm not sure what kind of brand they are, but they were big and bold. And he put those things right on, and he was like, "All right, you just started ordering us around." It's kind of how he works. He just said, "Okay." You guys are going to record me walking down the stairs, walking out to my car. Then you're going to drive me to the gym and still record me. And But it ended up being great, and it was really cool. Marshall's a master video editor. And so uh, we edited the film right when we got back from the game and uh, put it out for the world to enjoy. Definitely should go check it out. Hayden James, I think his Twitter is Commander James. It's so also, yeah. uh, we just retweeted it on the infield singles. Oh, the infield account. singles gave us infield singles. So perfect, perfect. You can check it out, folks at home can just check it out on that source as well. Everyone, check it out. Also, on the video, there are some uh, lyrical captions that uh, describe the events going on. For people that might doubt, Hayden is actually taking twenty-three and a half credits this semester. Um, we exaggerated slightly on the video and said twenty-four. But that's legit. He's taking 23 and a half credits. This man is an animal. And he still has time to lay in bed all the time. And he still just, he just puts work into that bed. Wow. Um, so I'll, I'll be the first one to say it. That way no one accuses you guys of humble brag. Y'all won the uh, intramural championships the other night. Is that correct? Yes, we did, Thaddeus. Um, so what is that? Three in a row? <laughs> four in a row? Five? How long have we been at school? Six? <laughs> Something. It's a lot in a row, right? 
It's been a lot in a row. Yeah, so... Not one, not <laughs> two, <laughs> three. No, yeah, it was, it was a great season. For me, this is actually my second victory. I wasn't on the, I think, the junior year three-on-three team. But, yeah, we, we really avenged um, a couple losses we had early in the season. We got off to a sluggish start, um, lost our first two games, almost lost our third game, but Mike just decided to save us. And then from there, we just ramped up the defense, and we knew we were uh, playing some teams we had lost to earlier. And um, yeah, we just kind of, our season kind of resembled, you know, the New England Patriots season. You know, we just got, a, you know, got off to a slow start. People kind of doubted us, forgot about us. But we were like, you know, like the Patriots said, we're just going to give it everything we got. And um, when it came around, we adjusted our defense a little bit to the teams we were playing a second time. And um, came in with a little bit of a game plan and just made our shots. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Yeah, so you said you lost the first two games of the season. Yes, that, we did. Okay. Um, yeah. So this brings up a point from Hayden's video. He said he had 24 credits. He also said his team was riding a seven-game win streak. Uh, <laughs> oh. The folks at home might be wondering where <laughs> that's coming from, unless he played, like, five more games just on his own this season, like, you know, one-on-one against himself. I don't know. Yeah, you know, sometimes we just, you know, the adrenaline starts pumping and your numbers can get inflated. And so uh, that was probably the classic case there. And uh, basically, moral of the story, we just wanted to let people know that that we were off of our losing streak and on a winning streak. So so going back, not to harp on all the negatives of the season, but kind of going back to uh, the two games we dropped, I guess the first two games we dropped, what, what, do you, what would you attribute that to? I think a couple things. You know, um, you know, Christmas break, we all went home and ate a lot of food. We didn't do a lot of running, didn't do a lot of conditioning. We came back. Um, we were still feeling pretty confident about ourselves. And I think we just came out sluggish. I think the first game we were winning at halftime by I think like one point. Even still winning at halftime, we just had a bad, you know, eight minute stretch in that second game. We gave up a lot of fast break points, turned the ball over a lot, and uh you know, we just let the team get too many easy baskets. Um, second game, yeah, we were missing our, our couple of our big guys for the majority of it. And um, all along with that, you know, none of us shot um, the ball from the perimeter as, as to the level that we're capable of. And so, um, yeah, in the playoffs, I think we just uh, we turned up our defensive intensity, um, didn't turn it over as much, um, and just didn't, you know, made the other teams work for everything. And, uh, yeah. See, I think because uh, we had Hayden on uh, right before the season started, and he had declared it the revenge tour. <laughs> I think he essentially cursed us from the outset when he said he was going to pick up every other team or every point guard for the other team. He was going to pick them up full court and uh, press them the entire game, and they weren't going to get a basket <laughs> on them. And we weren't going to lose a game. weren't going to lose a game. weren't going to give up a point. Wait, well, hey, kind of you know every us. every team. Every championship caliber team have a couple things in common. They have, you know, some quiet, consistent, stable personality guys. They have guys that are experienced and have been there before. They also have a couple guys that are crazy and just say stuff. And, you know, sometimes they're just a little, you know, uninformed. But, you know, in Hayden, you can kind of just be our, our confident uh, uninformed wild card wild card man and you know what we actually used him defensively differently in the playoffs we started to put him on other teams um, 
more involved offensive threats, but they're particularly some of the bigger guys. And so we just tried to have teams whenever they saw that Hayden, a shorter guy, was on one of the taller guys. Those guys just started to drive on him, and Hayden funneled him right to our help defense. And uh, that game plan kind of worked out. We shut down two um, top scores in the semifinal and final. And, um, yeah, I don't know how many points H.J. scored, but he scored a lot of points in the fans' heart with his, his yeah. hard defense. Um, so I guess diving into golf season, um, I remember you mentioning something about uh, some changes were going to be made or something like that. Uh, so the coach mentioned something like, I don't know, basically the amount of practice time or the effort was kind of called out by the coach a little bit. Uh, what, what was that all about? Well, yeah, I mean, some of you might be surprised. You know, the off season, you know, on the golf team, you know, you might think it's like pretty intense. And, you know, we, we get in the gym, we get after it, you know, we, we get the blood pump and we sweat, um, really get to work at it, but it's not really the case. And, um, yeah, we, we started an Excel spreadsheet. Our coach loves Excel. He's kind of a techie guy. And um, we started logging all of our practice hours um, to make it a little bit of a squad in our competition um, just to kind of keep ourselves accountable. And so, yeah, we have our, our simulator indoor room, so we can go in there and hit um, whenever it's cold outside. And uh, Young's Dairy. Shout out to Young's. <laughs> We get free range. We get free range balls there. It's a pretty sweet deal, and uh, they have overhead heaters and an outdoor range that we've gone to a couple of times, even when it's snowing, because that's how dedicated we are to Cedar Bowl men's golf. But yeah, um, we definitely we had a poor showing in the fall, but um, we have some freshmen and sophomores, some young guys that are really talented, and um, you know, if myself included, some of the older guys can just bring their game back um, a little bit. We could be right there for a spring season push. So, um, yeah, we're hoping that there's not a whole lot of rust to be chipped off on spring break, and we can just, uh, you know, hit a lot of fairways, hit a lot of greens, and make a lot of putts. So college golf season is is quickly coming upon us, but uh, the PGA Tour season is already upon us. Um, So you're a big golf guy. If you were to play in the majors, which major do you think suits your game the best and why? Uh. So for the the non-golfers, you've got the Masters, which is the granddaddy of them all down in Augusta, Georgia. They they moved up the PGA Championship this year. That's just kind of always a tough tough place to play. The U.S. Open's always unbearably tough, long rough, uh, you know, dry conditions. And then you've got you've got the the Open, the uh, the oldest one over in over in Europe. That's that's always a tough one too. So, what do you what do you think is best for you? Well, Tad, this is a fire question to begin. Just fire. I'll answer it this way. I would love to win the British, and I'd love to play in the British. However, I think I would be terrible at the British Open, simply because it's hard um, to play in wet and cold conditions, and that's what it always seems like it's kind of like over there, even though it's July. And also, it's really windy, and it's tough to play in the wind. Um... I would generally say probably that I'd probably fare the best with my game in the PGA just because the courses tend to be the easiest. Um, Augusta, the greens are wicked, insane, fast, and you have to just know the contours very well. Um, It'd be very difficult to feel comfortable putting unless I had some more experience. The US Open, I'm way too inaccurate at this point in my career 
Um, I would just be in the rough hacking it out the whole time. It'd be no fun. Um, but yeah, so probably the PGA definitely would love to win the British. Augusta would be an honor, but I think putting would be difficult to score. Do you have like a bucket list of courses you want to play before you kick the bucket? Uh, without a doubt. Without a doubt, Carnoustie is is my number one on my bucket list. I remember I remember I was <clears throat> I was young. I think I was maybe ten or something. It's the first time I really started to follow golf and they were holding the British Open at Carnoustie. Um, the British Open, for those of you who don't know, it rotates between like seven or eight courses. So every seven or eight years it comes back to the same course. So Carnoustie always holds it you know, every couple years and there's a famous guy named John Vandeveld and he famously choked at Carnoustie on the 18th. And I remember watching, they did a video tribute to him because he's more famous than the guy that ended up winning because he choked it away and they played the under pressure song on this tribute video the dun 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 and that just forever stuck in my mind and I was like you know what I bet I could go to Carnoustie and not make a triple bogey and I would have won the British Open but I probably would have and I probably would have choked in the same way but Carnoustie definitely up there uh for sure Augusta's up there um yeah honestly I'd rather I'd, I'd want to play a lot of courses in Europe all the courses in America generally are kind of the same layout um, the prestige differs but the actual course is almost relatively the same Europe um, the golf is just it's a whole different sport uh, also Pebble Beach would be great but yeah definitely um, the European courses especially Carnoustie uh, I've got another another question here um, I think I think this got brought up on on another a golf podcast, um, but but we'll use it here too. Would you? So let's. You have two options here, all right? Okay. So one is, well, I guess there's one option, but you can either choose to accept it or not accept it. That's a terrible way to phrase this. I'm sorry. Um, you either you don't play golf until you're 50, but your son wins the Masters, and then after you're 50, you can play as much golf as you want, or you can keep playing golf. So basically, like, Carter Jr. can win the Masters if you don't play golf until you're 50. So, like, the next 18 years or whatever. Carter Jr. Not 18 years. Holy smokes. 38 <laughs> years. 28 years. Good grief. It's a kid's head. We, I understood the question clearly. Without a misstep. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm not sure if anybody I else did. Would, I, would, I would, without a doubt, gladly give up golf to watch a um, child of mine. Yeah, wow. A child of mine for sure, yeah. To win the Masters, I'd, I'd give up golf uh, without so you'd hesitation. you throw in a towel at 22 or 20? Yeah, 22. I would throw in the towel. I would, I would definitely throw in the towel because, because I think watching my son succeed under that kind of pressure on that stage, and I get to experience it, but I don't have to like go through all the pressure involved. Um, just enjoy the result, you know, would be awesome. That also um, might be your best chance to play at Augusta, you know? Exactly. Like, not saying you're not going to make it to the Masters someday, but let's say your son wins it. I'm sure he'll get invited back and, like, you can go play with him. But uh, oh, after it's 50. Yeah, totally valid. After, after yeah, 50, when you're, like, 55, you know, putting it around there, hitting hybrids into every part three, you know. Exactly, exactly. You know, maybe I could even, you know, caddy, you know, for my son if he played. But, you know, I just wouldn't be able to touch any clubs, you know. I would just, you know... It'd be all, all my advice would be off of feel, 
and um, but yeah, that that'd be an experience. Legitimately, it'd be it'd be a fantastic experience. So while we're on the topic of golf hypotheticals, uh, have you ever had a hole in one before? I have. I have had hole in one. Okay, so you've had that taste of greatness. Okay, so would you rather have one hole in one or ten albatrosses? Oh, ten albatrosses. What? Really? So albatross meaning like just a double eagle. Correct. So much more difficult. So much more difficult, I, I feel, to have an albatross um, than a hole-in-one. Yeah, but how, how many times have you been sitting up at the bar with all the old people after or you play? Or the restaurant. In the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, or the restaurant, <laughs> the you know. Bar. Come on, Tad. It's a golf bar. It's just a restaurant. But how many times have you been sitting there and they go around saying, hey, how many albatrosses <laughs> have you had in your life? Like, no. Like, the, the, the measure of a great golfer is by how many hole-in-ones he's had, you know? Listen, 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 listen. I'm listening. You make a <laughs> you make a valid point, but there's a, my argument would be this. I think it's significantly more difficult. It also helps your score out more than a hole in one, meaning it's one more stroke under par. Ooh, facts. And um, I almost would would I would almost like to think that an albatross is more rare than a hole in one. The hole in one has all the glam of the name. And, you know, that's the question that a lot of people ask. But um, a lot of people don't even know what an albatross is. Um, so maybe we need to raise awareness for albatross. Yeah, awareness for albatross. Albatrossy. We might be able to get a 5K run. To... Uh, I'm, I'm, right now I'm here in a uh, charity golf tournament sponsored by the Infield Singles <laughs> for albatross awareness. <laughs> albatross, albatross awareness. It's, it's, so, it's one of the most undervalued achievements in American sports. Um, and people need to be made aware. So, and maybe, you know, like I think the rest of us sitting here probably would pick hole in one. Oh yeah, Josh, Chase, even Chase, would pick especially hole in ten one. albatrosses, ten. Yeah, but so maybe it's just because you've had a hole in one, and we're all just heathens that have not. So maybe we're just still waiting for that moment, and maybe that moment <laughs> isn't going to be as great as we think it is going to be. But I don't. That's just that's tough for me to say. Yeah, give up my hole-in-one for 10 albatrosses, like potential hole-in-one. I, I don't know. But but I, I, those are fair points about, you know, helping your score more. That's what it's all about at the end of the day, you know? It, you know, it is. That's, playing the you course, know, We played to win the game, yourself. you know? Exactly. But stores for hole-in-ones are always great. And, um, but yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Well, why don't, why don't you share your hole-in-one story? Yeah, so it actually, I remember it so clearly. It's a moment I'll never forget. I was playing, so my friend growing up, his grandparents owned a course. And believe it or not, we went to his grandparents' course, played golf that night. After that night, it was the night of LeBron James's uh, decision to go to the Miami Heat. And so we stayed up really late the night before, watched the decision. We watched LeBron go to the Heat. Just a quick interjection here. Was, uh, was your friend's name Sam Saunders? No. For for those at home, that's uh that's Arnold Palmer's grandson. Side note, I have an autograph um, by Sam Saunders. Just, really? Just for kicks. Because I met Arnold Palmer in person before. So after we watched... Humble brag. Uh, yeah. Just a little humble flex. Um, we woke up the next morning <laughs> and um, went to the course. Um, uh, we played the front nine. Then um, I played the 10th hole, and I wasn't playing very well that day. Oh, also keep in mind, I was 13, 13 years old, 
and um, I hit my T-ball out of bounds left, like onto the into the woods, onto the road. I just never even went and looked for my ball. Um, and I didn't even finish the hole, the 10th hole. So I was walking in the fairway, and I actually stumbled upon, when I was looking for my ball, I picked up this other ball, tailor-made, TP5, number three. <laughs> I picked up the ball, and since I was so mad, I told myself I was going to play this random ball I just found for the rest of the round because I didn't want to lose any more of my good balls. The next hole, number 11, was a par three. 113 yards downhill and uh, I hit my gap wedge and uh, and I hit the shot with the new ball I just found and I hit the shot a little bit thin so I actually turned away for a second and uh, I yelled I'll spin hard I said spin hard spin hard because it's going past the hole and um, hit the green and all of a sudden it just ripped back about 10 feet and spun backwards about 10 feet right in the middle of the hole um, and so, yeah, the only shot I ever hit with that golf ball, it was a hole in one. Did you put the ball up like on a plaque or is it? I did. It is on a, it is cemented to my wall in my room. I never hit it again. I just put it in my bag and, uh, I didn't even clean it. There's no grass and everything is still implanted on the ball. And so that's a hole in one story. And my best friend actually... The very next year, he got a hole-in-one in in the same hole. So, pretty neat stuff. All right, so we've been been on the golf train here. We'll we'll keep riding this, see where it goes. I'm reading a book right now by the the designer of Augusta National, so Sir Alistair McKenzie. I don't actually know if he's a sir, but I added that in there. Um, He talks a lot of – it's from, like, the 1930s or something like that. He talks a lot about, like, what makes a good course and whatnot and, like, how – a lot of courses today are so boring and whatnot. So if you were designing a course, what were what are some, some key aspects you would put in? Like, for example, he talks about how, like, the seaside courses are so incredible because you have the breeze off the off the sea. And, you know, like, um, St. Andrews is kind of quirky because each hole shares a green. And um, so there's just some different quirks with that. What are some, some aspects you would throw into, into Carter M- Ames National? <laughs> Well, I, I actually, that that's very um, interesting insight. I totally agree. I think that goes back to what I was saying um, earlier about American courses relatively all having the same layout. Just because American courses typically are, are just so man-made um, that they're just uh, very, you know, they're, they're the epitome of what a golf course should be. Uh, again, yeah, going back to if you look at even some American courses that are on the coastline, you know, Pebble Beach, for example, um the courses have been created um, along with the lay of the land. I would definitely want to incorporate that instead of ex- excavating, uh, making my own, you know, greens, making my own, you know, you know, rolls in the fairway and whatnot. Um, I would just like work with the lay of the land um, to really make it natural. I would also not make it extremely long. I think that's a fault um with with golf courses nowadays everyone thinks that you know since technology is getting better and guys are hitting it longer we need to make courses longer um i think golf was so much more about just the the raw length and power of players but there's so much more strategy that goes in it um i'd make a, i'd make my course shorter i'd make it tighter i'd put more of an emphasis on accuracy um i'd make greens smaller um i wouldn't i wouldn't limit the course to specific landing zones um, I think courses can get caught up in that too. They, 
they add water and bunkers and out of bounds into places where they just kind of force you into hitting, you know, one shot um, for the hole. But uh, just make a, a creative um, course based on accuracy and strategy. Um, I would just probably have have a lot of holes um, that don't have bunkers in front of the greens. That's like a Nicholas design. Um, so everything's carried into the green. I think that just kind of gets old. I think you should have the option to carry it, run it up, lay it up. Um, just having more versatility to play a hole more than one way. It sounds like you're preparing for when you're after older than 50 and you have to, you know, run all your <laughs> shots in these low punch, punch, hey, punch exactly, and runs, but, exactly. but you know, whatever works. Can you imagine though, like that's one thing that's so cool about golf is like every course is different. You don't, you don't play, even courses that are similar have different characteristics. Can you imagine playing like football and like, like let's say Tampa Bay's football field just has a bunker like on the 10 yard line you know and you got to avoid that or like the basketball courts just have like there's just a lake in the middle you know and you have to go around that like can you imagine other sports exactly you know ted as you wear that st louis cardinals sweatshirt um right now baseball is unique in that way with the different ballparks um i think it makes sports more unique more fun and um it it puts more of a uh, a pride into the person's home territory their home court their home arena their home course um if it's more more personally designed i totally agree like, I, I think there was i don't know if it was the astros or some somebody you just have a flagpole just right in the middle of center field like right in front of the fence and then if you run into it you're you know too bad but All right, so the, the folks at home might remember that carter was a caddy at oakmont and so when you're a caddy i imagine like you told your john amadeo story it was a big hit <laughs> Uh, so I imagine, you know, as a caddy, you probably see a lot of things. What do you think is the stupidest or craziest or funniest thing that you've ever seen on a golf course? I guess either caddying or playing or what? Yeah, so I'm actually going to take this one um, away from Oakmont, and I'm going to take everyone a little bit of a ride. We're going to get a Pittsburgh National Public Golf Course, oh boy. home of Deer Lakes High School. Deer Lakes, Deer, Lakes. Deer, no, they don't deserve a shout out. <laughs> Deer Lakes was one of our rivals. Wow, actually, as I'm saying this, I can like think of so many things about Deer Lakes that irk me. But we're going to stick with one specific story. It was the first year my high school ever had a golf team my junior year. I started our golf team with uh, a bunch of my friends. Three of us were really good. Everyone else was just super, super, super bad. But we had a team. That's all that mattered. We were playing Deer Lakes at Pittsburgh National, and uh, me and my buddies, we came in, and we were doing okay. And then um, we got one of our friends from the soccer team, Austin Plants, one of my best friends to this day. He was one of our uh, poorer players at that point in time, but he could swing a golf club. And he was playing our sixth man out of six players, and uh, we were all watching him come in because he finished. He was playing last. And uh, we only played nine holes. That's how it works in Western PA for matches. And uh, number nine, the ninth hole is this par four that just goes pretty much straight up the hill. Now, earlier in that week, we just gotten swamped with rain, just, you know, poured on. And so the course is really wet, really soft. And um, keep in mind, these guys, they don't really, like, know golf rules or anything. He was paired with this other guy. Shout out Alex McCann. University of Ohio, writing major, I think. <laughs> Those two, 
actually planted a great drive, piped it right down the middle of the fairway. We were all surprised. But thing is, they couldn't find his ball because it had plugged in the middle of the fairway. Austin and Alex both didn't really know what they were doing, and they couldn't find the ball. And so after looking around for it, which took them forever, they finally found it. And um, then all of a sudden, we see them deliberating in the middle of the fairway. It looked like they were talking, you know, very intently towards each other and trying to, you know, figure out something. And we could clearly see Austin's ball almost completely hidden in the ground. It was so plugged. And all of a sudden, we're like waiting for him because in golf, if it's, you know, if your ball's under the ground, you can take it out. You don't have to hit it when it's like in the ground. And so me and my other friend that actually like played golf, we're there watching this whole thing unfold in the fairway. We see him. He slams his bag down, and McCann just walks away, takes a club out, and starts taking these massive practice swings. Plants does. He just starts swinging, and he's on these practice swings. He's taking hunks of grass out of the ground, and we're like, "Oh my gosh, he's gonna he's gonna hit it!" We're like he's actually gonna hit this thing. And we almost shot it down, but that's like a penalty if like you aid your player in any way. So we're like, we're just gonna have to have him like we're gonna watch him try to hack this thing out of the ground. <laughs> and we're like, he might hurt his wrist, he might break he might something might happen. Lines up over the ball and just takes this massive hack. And the ball goes like two feet. But he got it out. But uh, it was still covered in mud. He whacked it up to the green, and then he still he just did, he didn't know that you could clean your ball off like when you got to the green. And so he, he's out there. And the day before we were practicing, and he he decided that he putted best, um, you know, like Happy Gilmore. He said he like he putted best <laughs> hockey style. And so gets on the green with this ball full of mud and whacks it in there hockey style. And uh, we asked him after the round, like, dude, what? He's like, what, what do you mean? I could have. McCann told me he was reading the rule book and that I had to hit it from the ground. And he was just complaining to us, and it was just, it was a hilarious time. And then um, that match, actually, we only lost by three strokes. Austin ended up pulling together a 57 on nine holes, which was like a great round. But. We had this guy on our golf our golf team. He was also on our basketball team. He was only about 5'8", five, 5'7", five, but he like, could lift all the time and had muscles everywhere, but he couldn't like turn or anything because so he was so muscle-bound. Polly. And he came in, and we were doing the calculations of that same match, and despite Austin's blunder, Austin plants his blunder, um, if Paul would have triple bogeyed every single hole, we would have won by two. <laughs> and we come in... And, you know, another guy comes in. We're like, hey, did you see Paul? He's like, how was Paul playing? You know, they're like, well, Paul Sauce, and he said he was playing really well. <laughs> and we're like, oh, my gosh, this this could be the day. Like, we have our first big victory. Paul gets in. He takes, like, an eight on the last hole. But we're like, okay, he said he was playing really well. And he comes in. We're like, Paul, how'd it go? He's like, dude, I just I got to I gotta add up my scores. <laughs> but I think it was pretty good. That's never a good sign. They don't know what they shot. We get in. Paul shot a 69 on nine holes. He ended up losing the match by three shots. So he ended up almost like quadrupling half the holes and tripling half the holes. Um, we ended up 6-6 six and six that year. It was a great year. Actually, the next year we came back and were undefeated and we won our conference. Um, it, was, it was a lot of fun. But, yeah, the, that whole day was just was just a blast. 
I also actually we, we could probably like edit this out to go to further go along with Deer Lakes the coach's son on Deer Lakes' team his name was Sam Sack <laughs> I will never forget it and Sam had like a mental he had like well <laughs> I don't want to like be too personal here but he had like some anger issues on the course and every year we knew this going in and um you know in golf at the first tee box you always have to you know mark your ball with like a sharpie and say like what kind of ball you're playing so you can identify it out on the course and when we were seniors you know we're like oh man we gotta got play sam sack again <laughs> and this time he marked his ball you know i'm like titleist blue line blue dot my friend was like, you know, Titleist, you know, black line, black dot. Well, Sam Sack, he says, I'm playing a uh, pinnacle X out ball, which is like the worst ball you could possibly like even find. And in bright orange, he said, he goes, and it says, I suck on it. <laughs> <laughs> right on the ball, he wrote in huge letters, I suck. <laughs> and we're like, okay. <laughs> and Sam wasn't very good anyways. And so we get to like the third hole and he misses like a really short putt. And uh, takes his ball, takes it out of the hole and just whips it into the woods. And like doesn't go and look for it. And we're like, oh, that's just Sam. And so then he like goes and gets another ball out. And he's like, and you have to like, you know, I didn't mark your ball again. And he's like, guys, I'm playing... Uh, a Slazenger raw distance and it says I suck at golf on it <laughs> and he wrote golf this time this is like the fourth hole then we get there then you get to like the sixth hole like has another really bad hole takes his glove off he, he, his like hand or something slipped on his shot and he like shanked one and blamed it on his glove he was like my hand slipped on the cup Takes his glove off and in his rage rips it in half like with his own two hands and then just like leaves it on the tee box. So we're like, okay, here's Sam. And then we get all the way to the ninth hole. We're walking to the ninth hole and we're actually walking down the fairway because he kind of knows us just from playing. And he's like, hey, Carter, man, I'm really not feeling good. <laughs> he's like, I'm feeling like really, really dizzy. And I'm like, dude, Sam, like all we got to do is putt out and then like we're done. Like, do you think you can make it? He's like, dude, I don't know. And I'm like, all right, well, let's just see, okay? He's like, okay, man, okay. Gets on the green, standing over. He's like a 10-footer for, like, I don't even know what. Stands over it, and he looks at us, and he's like, guys, I don't know if I'm, like, shaking. He's like, I'm so dizzy. And we're like, dude, Sam, just, like, put it in, dude. And then bends over and hits his ball and then he stands up again and his body started like convulting it's like all in like the same round his body started like compulsing back and forth and then he just fell like right on the green like all of his weight just like passed out and it made this like huge like indent like in the green right next to the hole and we're like sam are you okay and so then it's like dad who's the coach he was crazy himself comes down and we'd like carry sam off the green and so after all that he they couldn't even count the score because he didn't finish he didn't finish the round <laughs> and he ended up being okay they like called the ambulance in and took him to the hospital and that was the last time i ever saw him 
<laughs> and I never, <laughs> I never saw him. So for all we know, yeah. for all, yeah, I'm assuming he made it. You know, okay, but you can't be sure. Here, I'll Google Sam Sack real fast. Dude, Sam Sack, Deer Lakes. He's just one of a kind. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think Michael's probably gonna go reach in his bag after this episode's done and throw out all his Pinnacle X outs now. Yeah, yeah, it was just it was, and he always played with this exchange student they had from like the middle east his name was yuri and like yuri really couldn't speak english you know i play super slow he was yuri and sam sack i cannot confirm if he's dead or alive i actually felt bad because i was like a little rude to him i was like dude you can just like put it out like i'm sure you're fine to drink water and then he passed out but it was all right it was okay so, so we didn't do this the first time we interviewed you but every guests we have on we hit them with a little speed round of sorts i'm ready some quick fire questions that you can answer them. you can take as long as you want to answer them sometimes they go on for a while but uh first question uh what are you up to right now uh you know in school i have a pretty light semester other than business law with hartman but i survived the first exam and uh, i'm looking forward to spring break i'm probably gonna skip a couple classes tomorrow and do like an early spring break for myself. All right, there we go. Uh, what's your favorite place on Earth? Favorite place on Earth? Or, oh. or not on Earth, whatever you want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's pretty limiting, Mike. <laughs> My favorite place, you know, I'll have to stick to this one. You know, favorite place I've ever been. I went to Prince Edward Island, Canada, because my sister wanted to go there because that's apparently where Anne of Green Gables, like the movie and the book was written. And so we went there. That was her, like, 16th birthday. And it was insane. We had this carriage rider. He was 87 years old, and he'd never left the island. But the island itself was just, it was pretty sweet. It was just low-key lifestyle, no stress. And it was just, it was a little slice of the world that I'll probably never see again, but it was pretty awesome. All right, what's your favorite holiday? Favorite holiday? Christmas, for sure. Uh, fill in the blank. Taylor Swift is? Is, uh, is awesome. He's awesome? No, she. Okay. <laughs> uh, nickname your parents used to call you. Before Stones. Yeah, so they call you Before Stones. Stones. Yeah. My dad thinks he's like really good with nicknames. He's called me a couple things before. He call he he still calls me Podgy. He used to call me. He he tried he he, in high school we'd take showers after practices with soap. I would always bring the soap, and everyone would just borrow my soap. See, he called me Bubbles. He wanted to call me Bubbles. That didn't really stick. He calls me Beast, which is probably the most fitting. You went from talking about your dad to showers real quick, and I didn't know where that was going. <laughs> I always bring it back around, Tad. Um, and, yeah, my sister called me Bonk for, like, three years. That's about it. I've never really had a lot of nicknames growing up. It was about, sounds yeah. like that's quite a few. <laughs> Uh, first celebrity crush. Oh, Natalie Portman from Star Wars Episode One and Two and no, th two and three, w without a doubt. Uh, favorite junk food. Favorite junk food. Oh. Lace potato chips. Say good day, mate, in an Australian accent. Good day, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which one of the seven dwarves is your favorite? Um. I only really know three of the seven dwarves, so I'm going to give it uh, Sleepy. <laughs> uh, do you respect Kanye West? Yes, I do. 
Um, are women complicated? Choose your words carefully. Um, some are, some are, and some are not. The lovely lady I'm dating is not complicated at all. Good answer. Uh, I guess that answers the next question. Are you politically correct? Am I politically correct? Because that was a very strong political answer. You I, I, <clears throat> I think I'm life correct. Am I, poli- I don't know. Works for me. Yeah, life correct. Um, if Kim Kardashian and Donald Trump were both drowning and you could only save one. Donald. Oh, Donald. <laughs> Please. Uh, so you respect Kanye West, but not enough to save his wife. Exactly. You know, it's Kim just she doesn't deserve Kanye. <laughs> Jack Nicholas or Tiger Woods? As a player, I'd actually say I think Tiger's a more dynamic icon. I don't really care for either of them. Honestly, their personalities are pretty abrasive. Big Arnold Palmer fan. Shout out to Western Pennsylvania. Um, have you ever stolen anything? Anything of like actual, like monetary. I've never stolen anything at all, like from like a store or anything. But I have I stolen like food from Hayden's room, food from the fridge in our house. All right. Uh, yes. So yes, you have stolen something. Yeah. When you put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Who is the most inspirational person you've ever met? That I've ever met was in front. I might probably go with my grandpa. How do you feel about cranberries? Well, my hometown is Cranberry Township, so I love them. But I don't, I don't eat them. But cannibalism. <laughs> yeah, you know, cranberry. It's a good place to live. All right. And uh, the last question that we ask all of our guests: uh, Did OJ do it? So I actually watched like the entire thing on that. Mm-hmm. And of course he did. Okay. That's the that's the most common answer is I've seen the stuff and I'm very Now sure. fun fact. My friend's dad lives lived in the same town as the murder of O. J. Simpson and actually like saw him driving the white Ford Bronco around town like before he committed the murder. Just like on a random day, not, not like a day before, but like yeah. So Zing. All right. Well, you have successfully survived the speed round. Do you have any uh, final comments you want to give to the folks back in Cranberry Township? Um, I would, you know, I always have to give some shout-outs. Oh, yes. Shout-out. the king of shout-outs. Right. Shout-out to my friend Jonah. He got into Columbia Applied Analytics grad school. He's going to be a professional MLB analytic scout one day. We all know it. Big news. He also just got engaged. Sweet. Um, shout out to like all my friends that have gotten engaged recently. It's pretty cool. And um, have you gotten engaged recently? No, 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 no. Is that is that coming in the near future? You know, we're gonna keep that on the uh, disclosed list of questions. Fair enough. She's a big listener to the podcast, so yeah. we don't want to give yeah. anything away. She is. She actually is. Um. Yeah, I think I just turned 22. So shout out to Shout out to, to birthdays. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm feeling 22. Um, 
Yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm drawing a little bit of a blank. But yeah, honestly, back to intramural basketball is a great season. Uh, I'll actually, I'll miss it. I got kind of sentimental. I'm a guy that that likes. He gets pretty reminiscent and likes memories, so it was a good time. But also, look out for us on the intramural indoor soccer um, course because a couple of us have put together a team, HJ and the white guys too. In the B League, we're in the B League. We're not trying to, you know, impress anybody here. We're just trying to, you know, have fun. Um, look out for us there. And then, um, yeah, it's all the seniors at Cedarville. We've got two months left. Let's let's enjoy it. That's it. All right, well, Carter, thank you for joining us for the second time. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Special thanks once again to Carter Bonk Ames for coming on the show. Hopefully his girlfriend doesn't get any funny ideas from the uh, engagement talks we had there. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Spotify, iTunes, the YouTubes, um, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, As next week is spring break, I'm not sure what that'll look like for the infield singles. Probably won't be an episode for another week, Um, but tune in after that. Listen to all the old episodes, catch up on your favorites, Um, and as always, tee it high and let it fly. Swing it like a boomerang, a tank, come around, round, wanna hit the top, top. You know what's the big whoop when I play my game and then I make my mama proud. Smash, bang, you gotta hit the ball far, then the crowd goes, then you hear the, treat, treat. I want my birdies all day long, let the bogeys go, it's a hey.